Welcome to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen. I'm Ben Micellis. This is one of the best times I have all week. I just want to let you know, Michael Cohen, how much I look forward to spending this time with you, with all of the brigaders and the Midas Mighty out there. And we have a lot to discuss. You kind of teased us during our last show on Tuesday, Cohen, where you told us about two important court hearings that would be taking place. Technically, one wasn't a court hearing. Uh, there was a mediation in the dispute that you have in a lawsuit filed against Trump and the Trump organization over legal fees and expenses. I want to hear how that went. And I also want to hear about the discovery conference in the federal lawsuit. This is the $500 million BS, but nonetheless, still a lot of money in the lawsuit that Donald Trump is. It's a lot of money if you lose, that's for in, sure. In, in the Southern District of Florida, where you've already filed a motion to dismiss. So give us the update. The brigaders have been anxiously awaiting Michael Cohen. All righty. So brigaders, here's what happened. The Florida case was actually a meet and confer with Trump's counsel in order to establish the uh, discovery plan. That's all that it was. It was not a lengthy conversation between counsels only. Then they submit that to the judge. Uh, it's this is I mean, it's just it's fantastic. You know, obviously, he set himself up whereby as the plaintiff, he can't excuse being deposed. And if any of you saw that wonderful deposition that he had provided in the E. Jean Carroll case, you could only imagine how much worse that this one is going to be, especially considering the quality of my counsel in this case. I mean, not that uh, Roberta Kaplan is not fantastic. She is. Uh, however, you know, the topic uh, that I have in the fact that he has been fighting this for four years. He's made more than a half a dozen different claims about it between Danya Perry, my attorney, and Ben Brodsky in Florida. Uh, you know, I can only wish that I can somehow sell the deposition, the live, the video <laughs> deposition on a paywall or a pay-per-view because I think – that would more than pay the $500 million if, in fact, that, you know, somehow this thing managed to work out for him. That's how great it would be. Uh, it's such a stupid case. It was stupid for him to bring it. It was stupid for the lawyer to allow him to bring it. And obviously, wait till you see some of our newest papers that are going to be filed Uh possibly by tomorrow. If not tomorrow, it'll be by Monday. So there's a lot of stuff going on. As for yesterday's- Can you give us a hint though, what those papers even relate to? Is it a motion? Is it a protect? Any hints we can get? Well, it's a, it'll be a, actually, I prefer at this point not to do it because rest oh, okay. assured, uh, there's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that's going on here, but I promise you I all- I tried, Brigaders, uh, I tried. Accountability. It's all about accountability. On the other matter, you know, this is for legal fees. They've already conceded the liability uh, that took place a while ago. This case has been going on since 2019. Um, you know, it had a non-binding mediation, which is um, required uh, in the commercial part here in New York, uh, in the courts. 
and so met with a fantastic judge. Uh, you know, we sat down. It was about five hours that we were there. And as part of this um, non-binding mediation, you know, there was some dollars that were discussed. But by the end of the mediation, the goal is now for Trump's counsel here in New York to go back to Trump org and get them to put, um, let's just say, a different number uh, on the case. Because, again, this is a case of damages. Um, and the damages are very easy to prove. Just bring out the bills. So going back to the federal lawsuit that Donald Trump filed against you in the federal court in the Southern District of Florida, as you mentioned, by filing that case as the plaintiff, Donald Trump has now opened the door to a lot of discovery. This includes written discovery requests like requests for production of documents, interrogatories, requests for admission, but also a deposition. And there's conflicting allegations that Donald Trump makes about you, besides the fact that it's all barred by the statute of limitations and completely and utterly BS. But on the one hand, he's accusing you of breaching fiduciary obligations. On the other hand, he's accusing you of lying about him. He doesn't call it defamation, um, knowing that he will likely be hit for attorney's fees on an anti-slap motion. So he tries to dress it up as something else, but he's accusing you of being a liar um, in connection with your cooperation in legal proceedings. Um, and doesn't that now open him up in a deposition where he could be questioned about his criminal conduct? And don't you think people like special counsel Jack Smith, the district attorney, the New York attorney general's office, the Fulton County district attorney, aren't they going to be very interested in this deposition? I don't know. I would be right. I can tell you for sure that our brigaders uh, would definitely be interested in, you know, seeing this videotaped deposition. There is nothing that is off the table so long as it relates to the let's see how many page uh, complaint is this? I forget. It's into the 30s. Yeah. 30, uh, 32 page document. Whatever is in that document he's open to fair question. And you, know, you can't take the fifth in this. This isn't a criminal proceeding. This is a civil proceeding that he brought. So it's not as if he's going to be able to turn around and say, well, you know, I have to take the fifth on this one. Uh, you know, same answer, same answer. Fifth, take the fifth, fifth. It, it just doesn't work that way. And I'm right, I think, in my central premise, though, that he opened the door on those topics, though, right, where I suppose that, you know, hypothetically, your lawyers would be asking him questions that relate to his criminal conduct. Am I well, generally right on that? We have to ask him questions that ultimately destroy the allegations that he has raised against me. Well... Here's a little factoid that you learn first year law school, right? When it comes to defamation, the defense to defamation is veracity. It's truth. And so if I have to defeat a uh, on the motion 
to dismiss the averment, the claim that I lied or that I defamed him or that I told an untruth about him, well, I don't know. Uh, do I not get <laughs> to question him about specific topics that would prove what I'm saying happens to be accurate because the accuracy of the response that he would have to give, because I already know the answers, right, is exactly what I just said is the defense to defamation, which again, you're right about that, Ben. He did not plead it. He makes these very, very broad, overgeneralized sort of um, comments. I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest with you, if the judge in this specific case makes them replead the averments of this complaint on several different grounds, including the parts about uh, me defaming him without raising a claim of defamation. Well, I'm hopeful here the judge will dismiss it with prejudice. But as you know, oftentimes in these federal cases, they will grant at least one attempt for leave to amend. Um, but oftentimes when you look at these motion to dismiss orders, the writings on the wall. So we'll be following that. And I look forward to when that deposition takes place, you know, same week, Rudy Giuliani sued again, this time in federal court on our Tuesday episode of Political Beatdown. We talked about this really, really serious lawsuit brought against him for engaging in despicable conduct. Uh, it's a sexual assault claim brought by uh, someone who worked for him as his assistant. Uh, the individual in that case attached her text messages with him where he talked about, I want to shower with you and uh, horrific and disgusting things. So the also young lady that brought the lawsuit, Ben, is um, his former assistant, a young lady by the name of Noelle Dunphy. And this is a woman who was by his side, who Rudy, very similar to what we all saw in the Borat, in the Borat, Borat clip, yeah. um, you know, had, <laughs> I love that. Way to go, Salty. <laughs> all right. I mean, come on, give me a break. This is the same sort of bullshit that he was pulling on Miss Dunphy. And, you know, he is a groper. He is a, you know, just a creeper. And she now lays it out in a series of specific instances. But there's also another part here that I think is also catching the attention, not just of the press, but also of uh, potentially Southern District of New York Attorney General or the District Attorney. I'm not sure which one would be the ones to go after him on, but there are allegations that she has raised about the selling of pardons for two-plus million dollars to the extent that she has information, text messages, emails, recordings, this is the kind of shit that both, and I'm not talking about just the pardons. I'm talking about also the sexual assaults. This is the kind of shit that you go to prison for, and you're not popular in prison, 
as a sexual abuser. All right. This is a real problem for a lot of people. Um, I mean, you know, many of the inmates have daughters, sisters, moms, right? Cousins, neighbors that they care about. And this creeper is not going to do I mean, one thing for certain, they'll use him as a punching bag for a multitude of reasons. But not only was he sexually um, abusing this young lady, but they're selling pardons. And he told her to find, this is according to the complaint, to go find people who are looking for pardons, willing to pay at least $2 million. And part of the requirement is that they not have filed requests under the um, to the office of the pardon so that there would be no existing documentation on them that could be FOIA requested. And you know, Ben, how much, and so do my, brigade, my brigaders that have been around for a while, you know how I feel about that FOIA office. All right, and we'll talk about that in a second too. But this is criminal shit to a level that we have not seen. I think ever in U.S. history, I mean, in U.S. history, we haven't seen this sort of shit ever go on where the administration, because they talk about how the money would be split between Giuliani and Trump. I mean, this is crazy shit, my friends. No, these are very serious allegations. And while these allegations are being made in that uh, lawsuit, you still have Donald Trump bragging and saying that if he were to be elected again, one of the first things he would do is pardon the January 6th insurrectionist. He says he would pardon the terrorists. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, as well in this episode, in a little bit, we'll talk about these ridiculous hearings. Uh, what a kangaroo court. You know, let's not I let's not jump off this pardon thing for a second, Ben, if, if we can stay with it. And I'm going to tell you why. First and foremost, you know, there is a presumption that crime is not supposed to pay. If you know that you can buy a pardon via Rudy Kaludi, drunken Giuliani. You could buy it via Jared Kushner. You could buy it by getting somehow connected into Trump. Well, you could really make crime pay. There are several cases of pardons where, you know, people had stolen like a billion dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to steal hundreds of millions of dollars if all you need to do is pay two, three, four, five million in order to get a pardon and you still get to keep the rest of the money. I mean, that's not how the system is supposed to work. People get pardons because they deserve them, because they have done their time, because and these people did not do their time. There was plenty of time left for each of them. I mean, there are several of these cases that if you Google, you'll read about them, that these people had, I mean, some had, you know, double digits, 15, 20, 30 years. And they were able to, for a couple of million dollars, buy their way, you know, a, by the way, out of prison and a pardon. This is so wrong on so many levels. And my favorite line of this whole thing is when Kushner was questioned about the January 6th insurrection. You may remember this, Brigaders. He turned around and he said to Congress that I had nothing to do 
with the January 6th insurrection, I was not involved because I was busy working on pardons. Now, all of a sudden, Jared Kushner, the secretary of everything, is on top of working Middle Eastern peace and dealing with Mohammed bin Salman and everything else in between. Now he's also running the pardon office. What about all the people that had been there for weeks or months or years? Some of these people have been there all, all four years and more working on pardons. All of a sudden, Jared the genius steps in and takes over. This is bullshit. This is absolutely ripe for an investigation by the inspector general, by Congress. And the fact that Merrick Garland right now has not already gone on television and so should and so should um, Joe Biden show that this shit cannot stand. It is not permitted that you'll have people who are part of the administration as high as the office of the presidency selling pardons. This needs to be investigated and the DOJ needs to investigate it now. Well, clearly, the MAGA Republican-controlled House of Representatives, they're focused on uh, abolishing the FBI, abolishing the VA, abolishing the IRS, trying to impeach everybody, defaming everybody. That's what they're focused on. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about this other lawsuit against Giuliani, Daniel Gill, who was the uh, grocery store employee in Staten Island, uh, who was at this grocery store when Rudy Giuliani showed up, right? This was just after the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, where people like Giuliani were bragging about that decision. Giuliani was there for the vanity campaign of his loser son, and he was in the shop, right? There was kind of a meet and greet, and this shop, right, employee who since lost his job as a result of this, Daniel Gill goes over to And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I feel a shot. Let me show you the video right now. Um, it was just a pat on the back. And he said, what's up, scumbag? And then walked away. And then in typical MAGA fashion, Rudy Giuliani played the victim, tried to bring the did bring the police in it. They charged Daniel Gill with a felony, he spent 21 hours uh, in prison as a result of this. Once the video emerged, they reduced the felony charge to a misdemeanor. But Giuliani had the police file an elder abuse charge based on this, saying that he was assaulted and attacked. And it was like being shot in the the back is what Giuliani said. Here, play this. All of clip. a sudden, I felt this terrible pain running down my back. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I feel a shot on my back. Like somebody shot me. I, I went forward, but luckily I didn't fall down. Lucky I'm a 78-year-old in pretty good shape. Because if I wasn't, I'd have hit the ground and probably cracked my skull. I think we have another clip too, Cohen. I'll show you. This is from one of these right-wing echo chamber interviews that he did. I mean, where thank goodness he's in such great shape. He's in the same shape as the penguin in the original Batman with Michael Keaton. <laughs> I've seen. Doing? I didn't know he was this good. I really didn't. And his uh, his grasp of the issues, particularly the issue of crime and the economy, is remarkable. And the main thing that he has is passion, tremendous passion. Hey, Mr. Mayor, is somebody mowing the lawn right outside your window? I can barely hear you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're at a big rally. We're at a big rally in Staten Island 
right around the corner from where I was attacked yesterday. <laughs> we have that, actually. You were at, a, I guess, a delicatessen of some kind. I'm going to show the people what happened. And you tell me, because let me see the video, if you don't mind. Uh, this person with the hand on your back. I got to be honest, it doesn't look that bad, but I, I understand that looks can be deceiving. Uh, 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 you know, that that was that was the woman who was rubbing my back, not the guy who hit me that you're watching. So the woman, that woman uh, gave a statement to the police that the guy hit me so hard that she herself almost fell from the reverberation of it. She's a city worker. There's a second grade detective. That that's that's the lady who uh, helped me. Oh, Mrs. all right, Mrs. good. Now, that makes sense. Uh... That makes sense. <laughs> Ridiculous. They're just liars. <sighs> Look, what did we expect from Kaludi? Right, we expected him to tell the truth. The guy lies with impunity, just like his dear old boss, the guy who all of a sudden decided to accept him into the inner circle where he never existed before. This is Rudy's ability to garner some attention all of us oh my god thank god i'm in such great shape for a let me tell you something i've seen Kaludi. all right first of all he could barely lift his arms in order to put a fork to his mouth i've sat next to him at a restaurant at fresco watching him first of all he's morbidly obese uh he schleps his right leg you know as if he's got some sort of neurological deficit and on top of that he is not in good shape all right. He's just not. Um, I mean, I'll tell you who's in good shape. Joe Biden's in good shape. I'd like to see Rudy on a bicycle. I'd like to see Rudy, you know, jog or do something other than, again, you know, schlep himself from restaurant to restaurant, you know, or pound down on some scotch or vino. I mean, this is this is so fucking crazy. The guy touched him on the back and did call him a scumbag. All right. This was right after the road decision, which truth. You know, since we're going to talk about, right, as we did before, you know, what's the, uh, you know, what's the defense to defamation is veracity. Yeah, Rudy, you're a fucking scumbag. All right. For turning around and for agreeing that the road decision should be, you know, should be overturned using, of course, Dobbs. I mean, the guy tapped him on the back. We all saw it. And yet, yet. Fox and others and Rudy continued to do this and that they filed an action, right? That they filed a police report, which to me, if I was looking at this, I don't care what the, you know, when the police showed up, I would be calling for a sergeant or a lieutenant and I would make them take notice of exactly the way this guy patted him or touched his back. I mean, this is just pure bullshit. This is Rudy using who he is or who he was, right, in order to go after somebody who he knew was an anti-Trumper because he called Rudy a scumbag. This was just retaliation. It's exactly a Trump play. It's a Trump move. Retaliate against anyone that sees things differently than you. And you know what? Look, I grant Rudy the fact that, you shouldn't put your hands on anybody, right? He shouldn't have patted him on the back. He shouldn't have, you know, done anything. You want to call him a scumbag? Look him right into the face. Call him a scumbag. Very much like many people did to his son, Andrew, as he stood up in front of like 50, 60 people talking about running for governor. You, 
here's a little bit of a tidbit I'm sure you and the Brigaders, Ben, never really thought of. Do you know why Rudy really wanted Andrew to run for governor? Pardon? Exactly. It was all about you cannot pardon Donald for a state crime. You could only pardon him for a federal crime. It's the governor who pardons you for the state crime. And that's exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for the ability to shut the AG or the DA down by using the office of the governor. And somewhere they convinced each other that Andrew, who's a moron, I mean, he's like as stupid as Eric. He had any sort of a fucking chance to forget about winning. I mean, what what was his showing? 10, 12, 15%, whatever it was. I'd love to, Salty, if you could check that out, I'm curious to see how bad he got his ass handed to him, you know, in that race. There was no shot, but the real reason that they were looking to do it. Well, first of all, he needed a job. He's not working as a golf instructor at Trump's golf course in Palos Verdes, California anymore. So, you know, look, if you think about it, Dan Scavino went from caddy to general manager of Trump National Briarcliff in Westchester to deputy chief of staff. Why can't Andrew go from golf pro at Trump National Palos Verde to governor of New York? I mean, he clearly knows the issues. <laughs> I mean, right? Simple, listening to Kaludi talking about, you know, Andrew in that way. Boy, this group of grifters are really something. By the way, Trump gave Andrew a job, and Andrew was making close to 200 k a year in the Trump administration. Uh, again, the grift persists, by the way. My dad had told me a story recently. He was on an airplane, and of all people who sits next to him, Rudy Giuliani came on the plane and had the seat right next to my dad. And my dad was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Do I move from this guy? I don't want to be sitting next to him. And my dad just said that he smelled like urine. so badly. He was like, like urine, the, right? the whole plane. He, he just said it was the most foul smell he had to deal with for like six hours. And he was Did like, you ask your dad if he smelled like urine. I didn't get into the specific scent. I would assume it was a combination of urine and, and, and other things. But the reason I, I why I say that. And, and, and look, you know, incontinence is no joke. And, you know, whether you like Rudy Kaludi or not, which, of course, I don't, um, you know, I don't wish I don't wish bad health on anyone. Um, however, uh, there are people who I know who have sat next to him, including when I was saying, you know, at the restaurant and people have said um, that, you know, there is an odor that emanates from him that is almost like dried urine, which. You could vomit thinking about it, um, you know, and I'm shocked that your father just didn't move, you know. I, I, I'm not sure there was any other seats to go to. But what do you think about this new 4.30 uh, Eastern time, 1.30 Pacific time start time that we were trying out this week? I think it gives some of the people on the East Coast, they're getting back from work. I think it works well, hopefully with some, I know it's 
late in Europe, but I still think our European fans can catch it. And of course, everybody can see it uh, after we go live. But I really enjoy uh, this this time frame. I want to know what you think if we should keep it. Let's hear from the Brigaders if you want us to keep this time frame or not. And I also want to. Oh, by the about- way, I think Salty turned around and checked what I had asked. 22% is what Andrew got as a vote. 22%. Not really the showing to be proud of, but at least he gave it the good old shot, right? That's right. And going from Rudy Giuliani to Tim Parlatori, or whether you want to talk about John Eastman or Lena, all these people, whatever, what do we say that MAGA stands for right now? It's make attorneys get attorneys right now. And we see this also with Tim Parlatori, one of Donald Trump's lawyers who was leading uh, the defense team in connection with special counsel Jack Smith's criminal investigation regarding Donald Trump's theft of the thousands of government records, which he concealed at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, and by the way, Cohen, ever since you said Mar-a-Lardo, when I'm doing my hot takes and my hits, <laughs> I always say Mar-a-Lardo instead of Mar-a-Lago. And I spent the whole 10, 20 minutes yesterday, I'm like, is it Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago? Mar- and and uh, you're in my mind as I'm doing the, as I'm doing the hot takes. But you know, what's really, you know, what's really funny too. Um, so Mar-a-Lago, as people may know, was the former home. It was once an individual's home. It was the home of Marjorie um, Merriweather Post from like Post Serials and so on. And they were obviously enormously, enormously wealthy. But that was her home. And you know there were obviously many, many rooms, which Donald had then later on converted into um, hotel rooms and so on. But that was, at one point in time, a single-family home. Donald talks about Mar-a-Lago, as, Mar-a-Lardo, as <laughs> if that is his, that's his home. That they raided the FBI. They raided my home. It is not his home. It is a fucking social club. People pay like $300,000 in a bond in order to be a member there. People come in on a daily basis with their guests in order to swim at the pool, in order to eat, in order to hang out. It is a social club and it's affiliated to a golf course that he acquired down the road. So the fact that he keeps calling it, it's all just part of the lie. It's all part of the lie that Donald is this rich, you know, guy, look at the size of this fucking house. The front of the house is on the ocean. The back of the house is on the intercoastal. Look at the, you know, the acreage in between. I mean, it's a massive, massive structure. In fact, I'll tell you who fucked up in this specific case. And it's just a little bit of the history lesson was Jimmy Carter. Because when Marjorie Merriweather Post passed away, she wanted the estate to be given to the United States of America as the Winter White House, which it would have been magnificent. The problem is that the cost at the time to operate the property was around a million dollars a year or a little more than a million dollars a year. And he felt that that would be wrong to impose upon the American people an obligation of a million dollars a year for this property to just have a winter White House. 
and he walked away from it. And Trump ended up buying it uh, in an estate sale. Could you imagine? That That, property should be and could have easily been a better version of like a Camp David. It's an interesting piece of history right there. And instead of being a freaking crime scene that it is (laughs) where Donald Trump used to hide thousands of government records, including sensitive compartmented information, our nation's highest secrets, classified records, top secret records. But his lawyer, Tim Parlatori, at least of all of the BS that Donald Trump spewed from a strictly legal perspective, parlatory at least knew the law and how to try to negate the mental state element for the intent in Donald Trump's obstruction of justice and theft of these records. And Parlatori's defense was basically, this was, he called it spillage. And he blamed the White House staff and the General Services Administration and said they turned it over to Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago. It should not have gone there in the first place. Um, Once it was there, then Donald Trump tried to negotiate, but this was not intentional at all. Again, total and utter BS right there, but at least on the law, that is how you would tragically criminal defense lawyer address it. Then Donald Trump gives the so-called town hall on CNN where he's like, I took what I took. I took everything. It's fine. By the way, in fact, Ben, and I think if Salty can find a clip, that would be something to show you how this moron. And it's why it's why all the lawyers around him have told him the less you say, the better off that you are. He acknowledged taking the boxes he then goes on to say, we placed all the boxes in front of the what? Let me let me do it the right way. We placed all the boxes in front of the White House. Everybody saw. Everybody knew it. Right. He is now damaging any opportunity that he would have in order to claim that he did not know what was inside the boxes, that there was no intent within which to take the documents. He himself now acknowledges that he did know what was in the boxes, that he took the boxes and he had the boxes brought to Mar-a-Lardo. This is, again, by far one of the dumbest things that Donald could have done. And that's to open his mouth, you know, at this town hall and spill the beans on himself. I mean, no, you don't need whistleblowers with Donald. You just got to give him a microphone. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if there was a document that Donald Trump sent that was uncovered by a subpoena that said, Russia, if you are listening, I need you to do that. If there was a text message or a document that said that, we he would verbally be like, said it. <laughs> that's exactly. He verbally said it. That's You'd, equal. That, that's it's equal. Evidence. It's the same thing. It's evidence. He just doesn't understand because Donald doesn't acknowledge accountability. He doesn't believe that he is or should be held accountable for anything. You know why? Because he said this as well. When you're the president, you're like the king. You could do whatever you want. No, you fucking fool. No, you're the president of the United States. You're the president for 
all the American people, yep. not just for your supporters, your 28%, not just for your family so that you could grift off the country and pocket money on your behalf or ensure that when you finish office that there's going to be $2 billion waiting for your son-in-law, which I've heard through the grapevine from mutual friends. He ain't happy about, by the way, because he's getting his ass handed to him in business. I mean, you know, everything is down, right? His hotel rentals, he had to sell, you know, other stuff. Um, You know, that's all down. And Jared now is pulling, what is it, like a two and 20 (laughs) on $2 billion, meaning that he gets, what is that, $40 million every January 1st to turn the lights on for this whatever the hell fund that he's created that's funded by, you know, the Saudi um, crown prince. I want to talk more about this resignation of Tim Parlatori, what Trump's now, another one of Trump's lawyers, Jim Trusty, who's now front and center, basically parroting what Donald Trump had to say, its implications on special counsel Jack Smith's criminal investigation. We'll talk about that and more right after this quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Roan. If you're like me, you understand the pains of finding out what to wear. Let's face it, most clothes are uncomfortable or too tight or never actually the size that you really are, and not to mention the annoyance of trying to put together a good outfit. And when you finally do have a good fit, you can only wear it for a few hours before you have an important meeting or dinner, and then you have to change. Everyone wants to dress their best and look good at all times because, frankly, it's a confidence booster. So here's the deal. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion with the commuter collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan commuter collection. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way, from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. With the Gold Fusion Anti-Odor Technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I absolutely love Roan. This has truly become my go-to commuter fit. We're on the move a lot, whether it's jumping from meeting to meeting or catching a flight or an important dinner. The Roan Commuter Collection has never let me down. The versatility and overall comfort of the collection is undefeated. And even after I wear it all day, I still feel super fresh because of that gold fusion anti-odor technology. The Commuter Collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So right now, head to Roan.com slash Cohen, that's C-O-H-E-N, and use promo code Cohen to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, and use code Cohen. It's time to find your corner office. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. 
Now, not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. Now, it's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. And there's no reason that can't be you. Head to tryfume.com and use code BEAT to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code BEAT to save an additional 10% off your order today. Welcome back to Political Beatdown. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. We're trying to feel out if this 4.30 uh, Eastern, 1.30 Pacific start time is great. We still got the uh, poll. Uh, make sure you vote and uh, whether or not you think we should start at 4.30 uh, Eastern or an earlier time. When hey, we Ben, did you, see, did you see my poll that I put out on Friday? I put out a poll on Twitter, and I think it was like uh, 12,000 people responded to it. Should I run for president in 2024 against Joe Biden? Should I put myself into the Democratic ticket? And I'll, I'll tell you something. It's a lot of people. 80% said no. 20% said yes. Now, I want to I clarify something here. I was a little impressed. That 80% was not no, we don't want you running. You shouldn't run for politics. It was more of concern that I would end up being a spoiler, that I would split the Democratic vote, which would then give a benefit to Trump or DeSantis or whoever the Republican nominee might be. And I respect that. And so many of them said, instead, why don't you run for mayor of New York? Why don't you run for, you know, Senate or for governor, right? Do something, you know, because... Um, just do something other than run for the president and then run for the presidency. The reason I put out that poll, and I, and I want to be clear about it, I get so tired of friends, Democratic friends, that keep saying to me, eh, but Joe Biden's old. Look how old he looks. You know, I don't think he's all there. You know, he, he has dementia. Look at how he walks. I say bullshit that I happen Total to bullshit. be a fan of Joe Biden's. I really am. All right. Um, and to those people who are in the comment section wondering if I was dissing on um, Jimmy Carter. No, I was not. All right. Uh, I have a lot of respect, you know, for Jimmy Carter. You know, God bless his soul. Uh, all I can say, you know, is, um, you know, a, a lot of respect for that, you know, for that man. But. It bothers me when they say that because when Democrats say that, it's parroting what the Republicans are saying, and all it's doing 
is benefiting the other side. And that's, of course, the Republicans. And it does look like Donald Trump is going to be their nominee. Now, a poll came out that turned around and said, you know, in a race today, you know, Joe Biden is beating Trump by six or seven percentage points. Well, it's very early on right now. There's too many people that don't know all of the incredible things that Joe Biden has accomplished in the over two years that he's been in office, um, more more than basically any other president, at least in modern thought. I mean, so many things from uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, with the health care, with lowering uh, prices on pharmaceuticals, with, uh, you know, continuing with the COVID package and making sure that the uh, vaccine gets into people's arms to uh, climate change. I mean, there's there's so many things that he's done, but he doesn't get the accolade that he deserves. And one of the things that Joe Biden is not doing, he is not out there fighting the way Republicans fight. So my thought was, well, what would be more epic? Can you imagine this, Brigaders? What would be more epic than Donald and I on a debate stage against one another. I mean, that's the kind of shit that you pay money for, right, on a pay-per-view, because I would never allow him to get away with the lies and bullshit that he spews, whether it's a town hall or a debate. I would never stand for it, and I would speak openly, freely, raw, unfiltered, and I would put him in his place. Because the guy, even after four years as being president, doesn't know jack shit about anything. He'd be too big of a coward to even let you have be on the same stage with you. I'll tell you, that's for sure. Just I want to go back briefly and close the loop on the Tim Parlatori. So Tim Parlatori, Donald Trump's lawyer, uh, former lawyer who's now resigned, he came up with the theory Total BS, but probably the best possible defense you can come up with is that it was all a big mistake and the documents wound up in Mar-a-Lago through Mar-a-Lago through uh, a, a hectic exit. And then there were discussions and it should never have gone to the Department of Justice in the first place. I completely disagree with that, but at least in terms of a defense It is a logical defense versus the one that Donald Trump and his acolytes have, which is the president's the emperor. He could steal and do whatever. So Parlatori had sent a letter and by the way, testified to the grand jury back in December of 2022, but wrote a letter very recently to the House Intelligence Committee giving the defense that I just talked about. Then Donald Trump on the so-called town hall says this. Play the clip, Salty. President of the United if you got when it comes to your documents, did you ever show those classified documents to anyone? Not really. I would have the right to. By the way, they were declassified what do you mean, not really? after. Not, not that I can think of. Let me just tell you, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. I have. Which is a, a direct and contradiction. This is exactly what I said before. This is exactly in line with the notion that he believes a president is a king that the president can do whatever he wants. And again, I wish to God that there was a way that the two of us could be on a debate stage because I would explain to him about how George II Dot is really the creator of what became the tripartite system here in America. 
which of course he doesn't understand because the fool doesn't fucking read. All right, you got to give it to him in crayon, in bullet points. And he does not have the right to show classified documents to somebody or anyone that he wants as an ex-president, as the former president. He doesn't understand a former president does not retain executive rights. That belongs to Dark Brandon. All right, you fucking dummy. So, Donald, on this episode of Political Beatdown, you get the two middle fingers, you fucking dope. That's not how the system works. All right. And you're not going to change the system because the Constitution of the United States of America is bigger than you. It's bigger than anyone and everyone. And there's no way in the world that I don't care if it's our political beatdown brigaders. I don't care if it's Mayor Culp. I don't care if it's all of the Midas touch people. And if it's, you know, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, whether it's going to be Lincoln Project or Justice Matters or any of the other, um, you know, groups out there, we will never allow him to change our democracy into an autocracy, which is exactly how he's speaking. I would have the right to if I wanted. I don't know if I did. At least he was smart enough not to come out and say, of course I did. All right. Unfortunately for him, there's a whistleblower in his midst that already told them. And I wouldn't be shocked. Remember, our law enforcement is the best in the world. And they know who he showed shit to. That's why they called the Calamaris, Matt and Matty Jr., uh, you know, to Congress in order to discuss the videotapes and especially the cameras outside of the room that they had all of these documents in. They know who saw them. I guarantee you, not all of them, but I certainly know that people had seen these documents that Donald was not authorized to show. So on behalf of all of us, Donald, you get the two middle fingers, my man. And the Calamaris went before the grand jury in Washington, D.C. I believe it was last week or the week before that we talked about that on Political Beatdown. I want to talk about this hearing that was held today in the House of Representatives by the MAGA Republicans, part of their BS subcommittee on the weaponization of the Department of Justice is what they call it. It's a hearing where they basically attack police officers, attack the FBI. They want to defund and abolish the FBI um, simply because, and by the way, I'm fine size the FBI. FBI by no means is a perfect organization. The criticism, though, uh, of kind of valid criticism versus where the mega Republicans are, the fact that the FBI is focused on domestic terrorism right now and the mega Republicans are aiding and abetting domestic terrorism is the issue. So they called up not real whistleblowers, but frankly, fake whistleblowers, people who the FBI uh, and the Department of Justice do not recognize as whistleblowers. These are individuals who had their security clearances removed because they were sympathetic with January 6th insurrectionists. And they basically either they tried to steal data from the FBI's internal systems um, or they were otherwise demonstrated to be to the FBI um, espousing views of overthrowing our government and our democracy. So that's why their security clearance was taken away. 
they now receive in their own words, charitable donations, payments from groups affiliated with Donald Trump and Cash Patel. Um, so these are the individuals who the MAGA Republicans call in a hearing to try to attack the FBI as part of their plan to defund and abolish the FBI and to attack law enforcement. But I want to give the Democrats credit this and especially behind the strong leadership in the House of Representatives of Hakeem Jeffries, but of some of the superstar freshmen like Dan Goldman, a former prosecutor, now turned freshman Congress member from New York, who's done an incredible job calling out the BS using his prosecutorial skills. I want to show you this cross exam that Goldman did of these Republican witnesses who were paid by Cash Patel and then get your thoughts, Cohen. Play the clip. Couple different questions. Uh, we established earlier credibility matters, uh, certainly for witnesses who appear um, before us. Uh, Mr. Boyle, do you know who Cash Patel is? I do. Uh, have you received any money from Cash Patel or his organization? I have. Um, when you previously met with the majority members and or majority staff of this committee, was Cash Patel present with for that meeting? No. Uh, to your knowledge, has Cash Patel ever spoken to the committee members on your behalf? Not that I know of. Not that you know of? Was anyone present for your previous meetings with committee members and staff uh, on the majority uh, that were not members of this committee or staff of this committee? My counsel. Your counsel? Anyone else? I, I don't think so. No. Are you... Uh, is Cash Patel helping you uh, f finance your counsel? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. And Mr. Friend, what about you? Are you do you know Cash Patel as well? Uh, yes. And did you receive any money from Cash Patel? Yes, he gave me a donation last November. A donation? Yes. Are you a charitable organization? I was an unpaid, indefinitely suspended man trying to feed his family, and his reached out to me and said he wanted to give me uh, a donation. Did uh, did he have any, uh, was he present for any of your meetings with committee members or staff? No. And how many times did you meet with the committee members or staff prior to your transcribed interview? I never met with them prior to my transcribed Did interview. you speak to them on the phone? <clears throat> yes. Okay, this, all right, so you, you spoke to them on the phone? <clears throat> yes, I spoke to them on the phone, uh -huh. corresponded. Uh, did you provide phone. documents? Yes, I gave them my written uh, declaration. Did they ask you uh, whether they could share that with the minority? I don't know. At the time, I don't believe they were actually in the majority. Did they ask you whether they could share the documents? I don't remember if they did or didn't. Um, I, I want to... Cohen, what's I mean, your look, reaction? Ben, let, let me be very clear about something. One of the reasons why they want to, do, uh, to defund the FBI to destroy law enforcement is because then there's nobody to stop them in their quest. Think about if there was no FBI, if there was no law enforcement, our amazing, amazing, you know, law enforcement here in this country. Could you imagine none of these, none of these matters, whether it would be the Marilardo documents, whether it be the January 6th committee, whether it would be an Alvin Bragg or an attorney general, it would be uh, the Fannie Willis in Georgia. None of these cases would exist because there would have been nobody to investigate it and to 
bring those accountable, you know, to justice. And when I say to bring those accountable to justice, I'm referring to those in power. I'm not referring to you and me and the brigaders and the rest of America. We're just the schlepprocks at the bottom, right, who basically want to, you know, become ghosts so that the administration, that the corrupt administration stays away from us. That's really what it would be about. But they would be free to run amok, to keep doing the things that like Kushner's doing by selling out the country to Saudi Arabia or to other Gulf Coast countries so that he could add money to his hedge fund, um, you know, to allow uh, someone like Jamal Khashoggi to be killed, dismembered, American citizen, all right, uh, without repercussion. This is all wrong, and that's what they're trying to yep. do. So good for Dan Goldman. You know, look, I've been questioned by Dan. He is one smart guy, but you know, you also you got guys like Jamie Raskin out there. You have, yep. you know, other guys like Steve Cohen that get up and they speak truth to power. They don't care. You know, either side. They're critic. They're not always, you know, um, fluffy to Joe Biden either. Uh, you know, they respect him because he is our president. He's also uh, a Democrat, so they are more respectful, certainly, than Marjorie Toilet Green or the Josh Hawley's, Matt Gates's, Ted Cruz's uh, when they talk about um, Joe Biden. Um, at, the end of, at the end of the day here, I do believe that accountability is coming. I really do. I believe Kushner will be held accountable. I believe Donald will be held accountable for his multiple, multiple issues. I believe even, you know, even Marjorie Taylor Greene, I believe, will be held accountable. And one way that we, the brigaders, can actually hold them accountable is to vote their fucking asses out of office. All right. Uh, come 2024, vote blue, get your friends, bring them here. Let them hear truth to power. Let them hear the raw and unfiltered conversation that Ben and I provide, you know, twice a week to you. Maybe we'll go even more, you know, depending. But we need our brigaders to help to bring more people here so that we could implore them. This is all about putting together a group of people so that come 2024, our voices are not ignored anywhere in the United States. And people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like George Santos, should never, ever be permitted to wear right the congressional pin, to don the congressional pin around their neck or on their lapels, ever. Because I'll leave you with this. Here's the world that they want to create. They want to create a system that looks like their kangaroo-style court judiciary hearings, where evidence doesn't matter, where you just defame people with accusations, and they don't want to follow rules and order and facts and evidence. Watch Dan Goldman call them out for that today. Play this clip. Chairman, it's my understanding what's, that what's what's your what's your what's your what are you is you are making a point of order? No, I'm asking you a question. Or, okay, a point of inquiry. Okay, it's my understanding that the minority in this committee under the rules is entitled to the same testimony, information, documents that the majority uh, is entitled to. So, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not aware that you're able to withhold information from the minority that we would need to use to no. prepare for a when it comes to whistleblowers you're not and i would just i would just remind the committee remind everyone look Mr. when it comes Chairman, to whistleblowers right. you are not that's Mr. not right 
It's it's shocking that the that gentleman. That's not right. It's shocking that fact, the gentleman. Talk so much about Mr. the whistleblower and the impeachment. It's shocking that the gentleman from New York would state that we had when you were part yes, of an investigation with an anonymous whistleblower. We Mr. Chairman, these individuals Mr. Chairman, I, I, can't, I can't hear five people at once because we have regular it, order. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, it, the chair I'm, recognizes it's, I'm inquiring, and I was not. And I've told inquiring. you that when it comes to whistleblowers, you are not entitled to it. That's these at the discretion of Mr. Allen. Mr. Chairman, these he individuals said, have been determined not, not to be whistleblowers. To these are not whistleblowers. They've been determined by the agency not to be whistleblowers. Are you deciding that they're whistleblowers? And that yes, is the Democratic Congressman Congressmember Washington Schultz, she's, 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 she's incredible also. Um, we want a system of law and order. We want a system of facts. We want a system of evidence. That is what we need here um, and not this MAGA Republican nonsense. And we will keep on telling the truth here at Political Beatdown. By the way, our last episode, I think, has just crossed 420,000 uh, plays, um, which just by, you know, and again, I think it is important to expand the reach of the show. I'm proud of it because more people are now watching Political Beatdown than are watching CNN on prime time. So thank you, Brigaders, for making that a possibility. Everybody also check out Mea Culpa. I want to give this shout out to Mea Culpa as well. Uh, an incredible accomplishment. I am so proud of you, Michael Cohen, um, and I'm proud to be a part of this show. A hundred million downloads for Mea Culpa, a big milestone there. Everybody, make sure you don't just subscribe to Political Beatdown on YouTube right here on the Midas Touch YouTube channel and on audio. Also, subscribe to the Mea Culpa podcast as well. Just search Mea Culpa. Also want to remind everybody that there was a and is a fund set up to help and support all of the legal efforts. All the money goes to the legal efforts of Michael Cohen. You'll see it in the uh, description below in connection with Donald Trump's lawsuit against Michael Cohen. Cohen being embroiled in all of this Trump-related litigation. And so the, the, uh, in the description below, we have the uh, GoFundMe information. And y'all have been so incredible there and have allowed some of the best counsel to be retained on this matter, representing uh, Michael Cohen. And we keep giving you the updates here, of course. Also, check out the book Revenge by Michael Cohen, wherever books and audiobooks are sold. How Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. And you can check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. It's going to be a very busy summer, and I truly mean it, Michael. Whenever I look at the clock or whatever day of the week it is, and I see it is a political beatdown day, <laughs> being able to spend the time with you and the Brigaders brings me personally so much joy and happiness and being able to share Please. this love of our country, of the pro-democracy community is something that always puts a big smile on my face. We'll see you all next time on Political Beatdown with a special shout out to the Midas Mighty. <laughs>